Okay, brothers and sisters, praises be to our loving Abba that we are gathered once again to study his words and his commandments. We're going to study the book of Numbers. Last time, I believe, we studied Numbers 19, but today we'll study Numbers 20. And Numbers 20 is a somber occasion, a solemn one, because it marks the end of a generation. Remember, the people of Israel, led by Moses, when Moses took them out of Egypt, it was a whole generation of people. It was the birth of a nation. Today, we see the end of a generation, but the continuation of a nation. And so we will understand from the history of God's people, the things that we need to learn so that in our journey today, which is very similar very to the journey of the people of God during the times of the ancient Israelites, we can learn certain principles in life that we can apply so that we can best be prepared for the great day of our salvation. So let's go ahead and look into the book of Numbers, chapter 20 in the verses 1. How does the chapter open? Numbers 20, verse 1, in the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. I don't know if you still remember Kadesh. Kadesh was the place where the opportunity to occupy the promised land was wasted. Remember Kadesh, 38 years later, guess what? They come full circle. The people of Israel get back to Kadesh. However, by this time, the elder generation was passing away one by one. Why was that? Because of the decree of God. What did God say concerning that generation? They will not see the promised land. And so 38 years later, they go back to Kadesh. They're given again another opportunity to occupy the promised land. Remember, this is where they were camping at, somewhere in that place that is circled in red. That is Kadesh. From Kadesh, they are to occupy the promised land. That is their journey. This was the opportunity presented in Numbers 13. They squandered that, and so God gives them again an opportunity to occupy the promised land some 38 years later. The 38 years of journey for the people of Israel, not much was written about that because nothing was accomplished during that wilderness wandering. And so 38 years was not really accounted for. So we find ourselves 38 years later, and we are again back in Kadesh. But in Kadesh, what happens there? In Numbers 20, verse 1, while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. And so it was not a happy occasion. It was the beginning, you see, of the end of a generation. Because when Yahuwah God said that the old generation will not see the people, uh, the promised land, except for Caleb and, what's his name again? Joshua, right? Everyone else will perish in the wilderness. And so Miriam happens to be one of them. Miriam dies and was buried in Kadesh. And so here in Kadesh, with the death of Miriam, we can see already the passing of the old or the elder generation to open up a new generation. So the new generation of the people of God, how do they start off? They're now in Kadesh. What happens to them? Let's read Numbers 20, verse 2. There was no water for the people to drink at that place. I want to pause there for a while. Do you still remember what happened to the elder generation? 
when they were in a place where there was no water to drink, what did they do? What did they do? They complained, right? They complained against Moses. They complained to Aaron instead of praying to our loving Yahuwah, our God. Perhaps this time they have learned. Maybe the younger generation did not absorb or did not take in some of the negative attitudes of the elder generation. I wonder what they did, this younger generation. Let's keep reading. So they, oh boy, they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. It seems like they did not learn yet. Instead of going to Abba, they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Brethren, we need to fight the resistance to copy and to follow the ways of our ancestors, which is against the will of our God. Sometimes because we're absorbed by it, we tend to think that we are destined to copy that, to follow that. Brethren, we need to untether ourselves from the negativity of the mistakes, the people who became faithless before Yahuwah, our God. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And what specifically did they rebel about? Let's read Numbers 23 down to 5. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in Yahuwah's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of Yahuwah's people into this wilderness to die? Along with all our livestock. Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. And so what were they blaming again to, uh, to Moses and Aaron? What were they complaining about? Well, they said, why did you bring us all the way here just to die? We could have died together with our brothers. You know, they were showing impatience, right? You know, in a way, you can kind of understand their situation. Remember, for 38 years, they were stuck where? The wilderness is the wilderness, the place you want to be. I mean, a human being can only have so much endurance. This is why I believe Yahuwah God was very compassionate. He was very, very merciful. Nevertheless, the people of Israel should have remained patient. If there's something we need to understand, it's we need to develop patience. We need to be patient with the promise of our God. Take a look at what they complained about at the bottom part of this passage. They say this land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Should they be surprised that those things are missing in the land where they're at? Should they be surprised? No, because they're not yet where? In the promised land. Where are they? In the wilderness. And so what they should have done is to show loving Abba patience while they wait for their entrance to the promised land. Because the promises of God are not to be fulfilled in the wilderness. It is to be fulfilled where? In the promised land. That's why it's called the promised land. How many here can pick up a principle from this passage? I think a lot of us can, right? Because right now the apostles tell us that we are pilgrims. We are sojourners here on earth. What does that mean? This is not the promised land. The earth we live in right now is not. The promised land. This is why we should not be complaining. Sometimes people complain. Well, I worship Yahuwah God. I worship Yahusha Christ. Why am I getting sick? Why did I get laid off? Why am I struggling when it comes to payments? Why do I have all these problems? So on and so forth. Brethren, 
we are here on earth as sojourners. We're not yet in the holy city. And so people are going to die here. People are going to get sick here. What do we need to do while well, we wait for the promised land so that we can enter that place promised by God? We have to be patient. We cannot be complaining to our spiritual leaders. Instead, we should make Yahuwah God our refuge. And so what did Moses and Aaron do? Because the people complained to them. Numbers 20 verse 6, Moses and Aaron uh, turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of Yahuwah appeared to them. So what did Moses and Aaron do as the people complained? They turned away from the people. I think that's what I would do too, right? You can only take so much negativity. Negativity from people. Instead, and after that, what did they do? They went to the tabernacle and they prayed to Yahuwah Abba and they fell face down on the ground. When they did this, what happened? The glorious presence of Yahuwah appeared to them. Brethren, even in the wilderness, even in our sojourn here on earth, even though we are not in the holy city yet, we can still receive the presence of Yahuwah our God. This is why for us to be, to be patient, to learn patience, we need to rely on the presence of Yahuwah God. How so? Let us pray to our Abba. We may not have a temple where we can be inside and pray together as a people, but do not forget what the Bible says. We are the temple of God. What does that mean? The Spirit of God is in us. And so when we pray to our loving Abba, he can grant us his peace, his strength, his power, so that we can face all things that we have to come face with as we sojourn in preparation for life everlasting. And so when Moses and Aaron go to Yahuwah, of course, Yahuwah always has the answer. Always keep that in mind. The answer of Yahuwah is not just for Aaron and for Moses. It's for all of us. But in this situation, what does Yahuwah tell Moses and Aaron to do? Numbers 27 to 8. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, take the rod. You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water from them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So after Yahuwah appears to Moses and Aaron, what instruction does God give to them? What is the solution to their problem? God gave them instructions, right? What was the first thing they had to do? Take the rod. Remember what the rod represents. What does the rod represent? The power and the authority of God. He gives it to Moses. He gives it to Aaron. And in the Christian era, that rod is who? Yahusha HaMashiach. It is by the authority that Yahusha HaMashiach gives us that we're able to worship and serve God. And so he says, take hold of that rod. What does that mean? You're taking hold of authority and power that comes from God. That's the first thing. What's the second thing we are to do? To gather the congregation together. Why? Because Yahuwah wants to show them power that comes from his hands alone. What else are they supposed to do? Here's the key thing. Moses was instructed to do something specific. What was that? He said to Moses, speak to the rock before their eyes. And once you do this, water will come out from the rock to give drink to the congregation 
and even their animals. And so this was the instruction given by Yahuwah God. Something similar to this happened long ago. Remember in uh, their journey when they had no water to drink? What was the command of God back then? It was slightly different. In the book of Exodus 17, 5 to 6, and Yahuwah said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod. Remember, that represents power and authority from God. So take in your hand your rod, which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, then the people that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And so not too long ago, uh, several decades ago, when something similar was faced by the people of Israel, the elder generation, right? What was the instruction of God to Moses so that water can come out of the rock? What was the instruction? You shall strike the rock. How many times? One time. He didn't say two times, three times. Yahuwah says, you shall strike the rock. And after you strike the rock, water will come out of it. That was the instruction 40 years ago. How about in this situation? What was the instruction? Speak to the rock. Not to strike it, but to speak to the rock. And so after receiving this instruction from Yahuwah God to speak to the rock, what does Moses do? Numbers 29 to 11. So Moses took the rod from before Yahuwah as he commanded him and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rock. And water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. So this time, what did Moses do? Did he obey the command of God? No. Instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? He struck the rock, not once, but twice. Yahuwah God says, speak to the rock. Do not strike the rock, but he struck the rock twice because of this. What did Yahuwah God say to him? Numbers 20, 12 to 13, but Yahuwah reprimanded Moses and Aaron. He said, because you did not have enough faith to acknowledge my holy power before the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I promised to give them. This happened at Meribah, Meribah, where the people of Israel complained against Yahuwah and where he showed them that he is holy. And so after Moses struck the rock twice, what was the response of Yahuwah God to him and to Aaron? He reprimanded Moses and Aaron. He was not pleased at all. In fact, because of his displeasure, his disappointment, because of what Moses had done, what did he decree against Moses? He said, you will not lead them into the land that I promised to give them. That's pretty sad, isn't it? Because Moses went through a lot with these people, absorbing their complaints for so many decades. 
And when it was come to enter the final, the promised land, finally, at last, God says, you're not going to be the one to take them into the promised land. You're going to see the promised land from a distance, but you don't get to enter in. And why did God decree this against Moses? He says, you did not have enough faith to acknowledge my holy power. Moses was a great man, but he was not perfect. This is why none of us should ever think that just because someone has been appointed by God to lead, that they're going to be perfect. You get that? No human being is perfect. Even the best among us, we make mistakes. We make lots of mistakes. Here's Moses. He made a mistake before the congregation. He gathered the congregation and all of them saw what Moses had done. And Yahuwah God said to him, you will not enter the promised land. You know, when they were about to enter the promised land, you know what Moses said to Yahuwah? Let's read the book of Deuteronomy 3, 25 to 26. Please, please let me cross the Jordan to see the wonderful land on the other side, the beautiful hill country and the Lebanon mountains. But Yahuwah was angry with me because of you and he would not listen to me that's enough he declared speak of it no more and so here's Moses he's telling the people Israel that he pleaded God pleaded to Yahuwah to let him go across the Jordan see the other side but Yahuwah God says to him no no right Yahuwah made a decision because of his mistake he was no longer allowed to enter the promised land and so the new generation would be led by someone else. Who would that be? Joshua. What's his actual name? Yahoo. Joshua. Yeah. Was that his given name at birth? No. Who gave him that name? Moses. Moses. Yahuwah instructed Moses to give him that name. But it was actually God's idea. God was showing a hint. The deliverer. The one who's going to take you to the promised land will be a Yahusha. Yahusha meaning Yahuwah, or meaning Yahuwah is your savior. And this is why we can see here that when God has made a decision, he will keep with that decision. And so Moses was disappointed. And perhaps many of you can feel for Moses. I kind of feel sad for Moses, but you know, Moses was a faithful servant. And so even though he was not given the opportunity to enter the promised land, he remained faithful. To our almighty God. You see, God doesn't give up on us. Yes, we fail. And I'm sure all of us are going to fail eventually. Yes, we make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. Moses made a mistake. But God does not give up on Moses. And the true people of God do not give up on their services to him. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 16, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. You see, if there's one characteristic of the godly, it's not that they will not trip. Even the godly will trip, right? Even the faithful servants of God will make mistakes. That's not really what marks them as true godly people. What marks the godly is this. Even if they will trip, even if they will fall, what will they do again and again and again? What does the Bible say? They will get up again. In other words, the true godly people, they don't quit. Because when you really believe that Yahuwah God is who he is, because he will not give up on you, you will not give up on your God. This is why the true godly, even if they trip, even if they fall, they will continue pleasing and worshiping God. So that's what Moses did. Yes, he found out he got disqualified. 
right? He's not allowed to enter the promised land anymore. However, even despite this, the work goes on. He continues to be a servant of Yahuwah. He does not complain. He remains faithful to Yahuwah, our God. We need to follow his good example. What does Moses continue to do? Numbers 20, 14 and 17. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom saying, this is what your brother Israel says. You know about all the hardships that have come upon us. Our forefathers went down into Egypt and we lived there many years. The Egyptians mistreated us and our fathers. But when we cried out to Yahuwah, he heard our cry and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. Now we are here at Kadesh, a town on the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your country. We will not go through any field or vineyard or drink, any, drink water from any well. We will travel along the king's highway and not turn to the right or to the left until we have passed through your territory. And so when Moses and the Israelites were in Kadesh, what was the next step from Kadesh? What were they supposed to do? Occupy the promised land. This was basically their second chance, right? They better not mess this up. They have to reach the promised land. However, to reach the promised land, they have to pass through certain territories, right? And Moses figured the shortcut, the shortest way to the promised land would have to pass through the Edomites. This is why he sends a message to the Edomites. What does the message of Moses say to the king of Edom? He says, this is what your brother Israel says, I want to pause there for a while. Why does Moses say to the king of Edom, this is what your brother Israel says? Do you still remember Edom? Who is the forefather of Edom? Esau. Esau's descendants became who? The Edomites. The people of Israel came from who? Jacob. Jacob and Esau are brothers. This is why Moses understanding the connection there the history of Jacob and Esau he was appealing to that brotherhood to that brotherly bond hey we're related by blood you Edomites and we Israelites are brothers and so because we are brothers and we need your help let us pass through cadet let us pass through via the king's highway I guess back then it was a highway already right don't worry he told king of Kadesh we're not going to take any of your vines or, or any of your grapes. We're not going to drink any of your water. We're just going to pass through and you're not, going to, you're not even going to recognize us. You're not going to detect us at all. We're going to peacefully pass through. This is because Yahuwah God wants us to occupy the promised land. And so what uh, they wanted to do to occupy the promised land was to go through the land of the Edomites through what is called King's highway and that's on the dotted line it was the shortcut to the promised land it's not the only way to the promised land but it would be really nice right it would be really great if the Edomites the brothers of the Israelites would let them pass through now question is this what do you think the Edomites uh, said to the request what do you think yes or no well, let's find out. Numbers 20, 18, and 21. But Edom answered, you may not pass through here. 
If you try, we will march out and attack you with the sword. Boy, so much for brotherly love. The Israelites replied, we will go along the main road. And if we or our livestock drink any of your water, we will pay for it. We only want to pass through on foot, nothing else. Again, they answered, you may not pass through. Then Edom came, came out against them with a large and powerful army. Since Edom refused to let them go through their territory, Israel turned away from them. And so after giving uh, an appeal to the people of Edom to let them go through uh, their territory, what was Edom's reply? No, you cannot pass through here over our dead body. And even if you try, well, we're going to kill you. That's what they're basically saying. We will attack you with sword. And so they were rejected. And when you think about it, this could have been prevented long ago. Remember when Esau and Jacob had that reunion? Remember that in Genesis? Remember when Esau was offering his place? He wanted to get to know Jacob better so that they can complete the reconciliation. Remember that? Was it ever completed? No. Esau wanted the reconciliation complete, but Jacob was kind of uh, hesitant. He had something else on his mind. And so the reconciliation was not complete. And so that presents a problem. Something I want you to keep in mind, because as a people of God, we have relationships, right? We cannot avoid relationships. We have relationships with one another. And so as a people of God, if there's ever any misunderstanding, if there's ever any trouble amongst us, we need to reconcile right away. It cannot be incomplete reconciliation. Why? Because incomplete reconciliation leads to what? Bitterness. By Maybe by word, you say, okay, I reconciled with him, I reconciled with her. But in your heart, there's what? Bitterness. That bitterness is not going to be good for the future. This is why the apostles tell us in Hebrews 12, 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And so when we have bitterness in our hearts because of incomplete resolution, maybe we say to ourselves, I forgive him, I forgive her. But deep in our hearts, there is still that hatred maybe. There is still that bitterness maybe. The Bible calls that a poisonous root. Why? Because it will affect your future. How so? That poisonous root of bitterness will corrupt many and will bring trouble to you. And this is what exactly happens, right? Because that reconciliation between Jacob and Esau never took place. And so in the future generations, it's what they were talking about. And that bitterness, that root of bitterness eventually corrupted many. And so there was no partnership between the Edomites and the Israelites. They were not allowed to go through Edom. And so what did they decide to do? Numbers 20, 22, 26, the whole community of Israel left Kadesh and arrived at Mount Hor. Aaron will die there and join his ancestors. And so they arrive at Mount Hor, which is near uh, Edom. And at the, mount, at the mountain of Hor, what will happen to Aaron there? God decrees that he's going to die. We already had a death, right? In Kadesh, who is that? Miriam. 
Next, who's going to die? Aaron, right? So Aaron, Miriam, these are the brothers and sisters of who? Moses. Remember the three leaders. They're all siblings, brothers and sisters. And Miriam already died. Now Aaron is going to die very, very soon. Where? On Mount Hor. Well, where is Mount Hor? In Wikipedia, the exact location of Mount Hor has been a subject of debate. But based on the writing of Josephus, who is a historian, it has been customarily been identified with the, with the Jebel Nebi Harun, mountain of the prophet Aaron in Arabic, a twin-peaked mountain, 4,780 feet above sea level, 6,072 feet above the Dead Sea, in the Edomite Mountains on the east side of the Jordan Arab Valley. On the summit is a shrine, the tomb of Aaron, said to cover the grave of Aaron. And this is what they built on that, that shrine. That's how it looks like. The uh, people of Israel, you know, it is controversial for them. They're not absolutely certain if that was the plot, the place or the spot where Aaron actually died. But for the Arabia, for the uh, Arabs, for the Islamic people, they are pretty certain that that's where Aaron died. And so they built a shrine and you can go into the shrine if you want to. Well, I don't know if you can, but if you want to go on a field trip to go there, that'll be a nice place to kind of visit, kind of see, right? And so that's where supposedly Aaron died, Mount Hor. And of course, it's nice to know where Mount Hor is and where he died. But even more importantly, why did God swiftly make a decision that he has to die? Why was this a decree against uh, Aaron? Why did God de decide that Aaron is not going to enter the promised land? Well, let's go ahead and read the book of Numbers 20, 23, 24. There... On the border of the land of Edom, Yahuwah said to Moses and Aaron, the time has come for Aaron to join his ancestors in death, right? He will not enter the land I'm giving the people of Israel because this is the reason. We know he's going to die. This is the reason why he's going to die. This is why he's not going to enter the promised land because the two of you rebelled against my instructions concerning the water at Meribah. So what is the reason, the cause why Aaron has to die before they enter the promised land. Because Yahuwah says, the two of you rebelled against my instructions. Some of you may be asking yourselves, is that fair, brother? I mean, who was the one who made the mistake? Who was it? It was Moses. It was not Aaron who carried the rod. But why is Yahuwah God holding Aaron accountable for the mistake of Moses? Let's find out the book of Numbers 20. Six to eight. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces. And the glory of Yahuwah appeared to them. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So why did Yahuwah God hold accountable? Aaron, even though he was not the one in charge, even though the one who struck the rock was Moses and not Aaron. That's because both Moses and Aaron received the same instruction. In other words, Aaron knew what the right thing to do was. Why? Because he was there 
when the instruction was given. Do you know what the Bible's teaching us here? It means if we know our leaders are not fulfilling the will of God, what is our responsibility? We have to correct them, right? We have to let them know because we will be accountable to Yahuwah God and be accomplices. This is why if we know the right thing to do and we don't do anything to correct our leaders, we zip our lips because if we open our mouth and we call attention to a mistake or to a sin, we might get persecuted. Maybe we might even get expelled, right? And so it's better to keep your mouth shut. The Bible says no. This is why Yahuwah God allowed this to be written, John 4, 17. Aaron, you see, remember, it is sin to know. It is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Did Aaron know what to do? Yeah, because he was there to receive the instruction. How about us? Do we know what Yahuwah God wants done? Yeah. Why? Because we have the book now. We have it better than Aaron. Because now what we have is something in writing. We can go back again and again and check. We need to study the word of God. God is telling us we need to know what is written so that we will know what we ought to do. This is why in our practice together as the assembly of Yahusha, brethren, if I or maybe another teacher teaching you the word of God is doing something or speaking to you about something that is against the will of God, you have to let us know. Perhaps in our former, former religious affiliation, we did not have that kind of opportunity. We have it here. You're not going to be expelled. You're not going to be reprimanded if you call our attention to mistakes or if we are preaching something against the will of God. It is your responsibility to make that known to us. Why? So that we can all be together in fulfilling the will of God. Do you know what will happen if we will not follow this example, if we will not follow the teaching of God, wherein the people themselves will hold even their leaders accountable? In the book of Jeremiah 5, 29, 31, but I, Yahuwah, will punish them for these things. I will take revenge on this nation. A terrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. Prophet speaks, speak nothing but lies. Priests rule as the prophets command. And my people offer no objections. But what will they do when it all comes to an end? Here's a warning of Yahuwah God through Jeremiah against the people, a nation of Israel. What did he say? I will take revenge on this nation. Take note, the whole nation is affected. How is the whole nation held accountable to God? How are they going to be punished by God? Yahuwah says, prophets speak nothing but lies. Priests rule as the prophets command. And what was Yahuwah God expecting? The people will do something about it. The people will speak up. Is that what they did? What did they do instead? They offered no objection. And so what did Yahuwah God say? I will punish this nation. What will they do when they all come to an end? And sure enough, that nation was punished severely by Yahuwah God. This is why brothers and sisters, all of us as individuals, God wants us. God wants us to be an instrument to make sure his righteousness is what is being preached and upheld by his people even in these last days. Aaron was held accountable. He should have corrected Moses. 
And so Yahuwah God is punishing him. What did Yahuwah God say concerning Aaron? Now take Aaron and his son Eleazar up Mount Hor. There you will remove Aaron's priestly garments and put them on Eleazar, his son. Aaron will die there and join his ancestors. And so he will die stripped of his priestly garments. Why? Because it will be transferred to his son, Eleazar. That must have been bittersweet. Bitter because nobody wants to be taken or his office taken away from him. Sweet because it's going to be passed on to who? Son, right? And so what happened after that on Mount Hor? So Moses did as Yahuwah commanded. The three of them went up Mount Hor together as the whole community watched. At the summit, Moses removed the priestly garments from Aaron and put them on Eleazar, Aaron's son. Then Aaron died there on the top of the mountain, and Moses and Eleazar went back down. When the people realized that Aaron had died, all Israel mourned for him 30 days. And so that was the passing of an old generation, right? You have the passing of uh, Miriam, the passing of Aaron, and the disqualification of who? Moses. It was an end of a generation. And what was about to begin is a new generation. Moses is still here, but he knows his limitations. A new high priest has been given. His name is Eleazar. Joshua will be appointed soon as the leader to take the people of Israel into the promised land. And so the old generation has come to an end. New generation will take its place. You know, brothers and sisters, in a way... Living in these last days, we represent the present generation of God's people. Do we not? Right? And so as people of God, what we want to do is make sure that we learn from the mistakes of the previous generations. Right? Because we, the people of God, in this generation are going to face similar challenges. And so what do we need to do? Learn from our ancestors, the previous generation. How can we learn from our previous ancestors or our, our previous generations, our ancestors. Romans 15 verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So how can we learn from past generations through scripture? What is written in scripture? What happened during the, the days of Israel? What happened during the days of captivity, the days of the prophets, even the days of the apostles? You see, they were written for what purpose? So that we can learn. And there's a saying, the best learning that you can ever have is to learn from experience. Am I right? This is why a person who's 40 years old has more wisdom than someone who's 20, right? Maybe the 20-year-old has more knowledge He's sharper, but the 40-year-old probably has more wisdom because of what? Experience. But what if we can gain the experience of our ancestors? Wouldn't that be nice? This is why the scripture has been given to us. Haven't you noticed in the Holy Scriptures, the people of God and their dealing, their relationships and everything that they've done in the past have been carefully recorded in the scriptures, right? Including the cities, the names of the people, all of their mistakes were not covered by the Bible. You notice that? Why is that? Because God wants us to learn. 
He wants us to learn from the mistakes of his people. He wants us to learn so that we can perfect the way we worship God. This is why our generation should learn from the past. And what can we learn from the past? The book of Corinthians 10 verse 11, all these things happened to them as examples for others. And they were written down as a warning for us. For we live at a time when the end is about to come. So when the end is about to come, we need to all the more study the scriptures. Why? They contain examples. They contain warnings so that we can have guideposts that will guide us today. Because we're, we are at the threshold of occupying the real promised land, the kingdom of heaven. This is why all the more we need to study scriptures and learn from the past, including what has happened in the book of Numbers chapter 20. Because we are the latest generation, we need to learn from the previous generations. What can we learn, for example, during their first stop at Kadesh? What did we learn? If you go back to Numbers 13, Numbers 14, what did we learn from the people of Israel? What principle should we pick up? I think it's this. We must let our faith overcome our fear, right? Because the people of Israel back then, at the first opportunity to occupy the land because they were afraid of giants, what do they want to do? Want to go back, right, to Egypt. Is it human to feel fear? Do you feel fear? Yeah, all of us feel fear. You see, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is taking the steps Yahuwah wants you to take despite the feeling of fear. That's when we let faith overcome our fear. Because in our work today, we're going to face many things that will call upon us to rely on faith to overcome our fear. Now, in the second visit at Kadesh, the new generation, right, 38 years later, and also in Numbers 20, we have two deaths. And they disqualification. There's also something we can learn from the leaders of that generation. Who are their leaders again? Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Moses, what was he responsible for? The law, right? He was the lawgiver. It was through Moses that Yahuwah God made known his will to the people of Israel. He was the liberator from Egypt. How about Aaron? What was his function? What did he represent? These are the three leaders who happens to be siblings, right? Aaron, the priesthood. This is why the sons of Aaron are the ones who are going to be priests. And the relatives of Aaron are going to be Levites, okay? Well, how about Miriam? What did she represent? What was she in charge of? Because Moses was in charge of the law. Aaron was in charge of the priesthood. How about Miriam? What was she in charge of? I think my daughter knows, right, Jenna? What was she in charge of? There you go. Question mark. Well, in the book of Exodus 15, then the Miriam, the prophet. Uh -huh. So she's a prophet, right? So she's really a person of God. Aaron's sister took a tambourine and led all the women as they played her tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, Sing to Yahuwah. For he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. And so what was Miriam in charge of? What was she a leader of? She was a leader in composing songs, leading with dances and tambourines. Basically the work of praise and worship. So Moses, 
charge of the law. Aaron, the priesthood. Miriam, in charge of praise and worship. However, we know they did not have the ending that they should have had, right? They made mistakes along the way. We, as a people of God, today, we need to learn from those mistakes. And so what was the mistake, for example, of Aaron and Miriam? Numbers 12, 1 to 2. Well, they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, has Yahuwah spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But Yahuwah heard them. And so what was the mistake of Miriam and Aaron? They criticized Moses for marrying a Cushite woman. Was it lawful? Or was it a lawless act to marry a Cushite woman during that time? No. There was no law of Yahuwah that you cannot marry a Cushite woman. Moses did. And so she was, he was criticized by Miriam and Aaron. Right? Why? They said, has Yahuwah spoken only through Moses? And at this point, Yahuwah tells them about Moses. With prophets, I give visions. But with Moses, he's different. I speak to him. Face to face. And so we can see here the folly of Miriam and Aaron. What is that? It's the problem of, what do you think? It's the problem of pride, wasn't it? When they want something that doesn't belong to them, they want to be Moses' equal. When Yahuwah says, no, Moses is here, you're only here. And so what they want is something Yahuwah God has not given to them. To want something Yahuwah God has not given to you is called pride. And brethren, whether you like it or not, pride is a big problem. How many here agree? Pride is a big problem, especially with us. Who do you think is the father of pride? Who is the author of pride, if we can call it that? Probably the devil, right? He became the devil because of his pride, after all. He was created a perfect being. But because of his pride, he wanted something that was not in Yahuwah's will. And so he became basically the devil. And so that is what he does. He knows he has little time left. And so before judgment day comes, what will he attack his people with? Poisonous pride. This is why, brethren, we have to be careful, be careful of pride. We're working together as the assembly of Yahusha. All of us are different, Right? We all have different functions, different works, but we have to be careful with the problem of pride. Why? Proverbs 16, 18, pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. This is why uh, when you look at the, the history of Aaron and Miriam, because of their pride, it almost uh, cost them their complete destruction. It's a good thing Moses interceded on their behalf. And so we as an organization, the assembly of Yahushua, if we will not be careful with pride, if we will not be careful with arrogance, what will happen to us? We're going to be destroyed and we're going to fall because pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. We need to keep that in mind. Apostle Paul reminds us also in Romans 12, 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And so, Apostle Paul, when we take the time to examine ourselves, 
because when we examine ourselves, we look for sins in our life that we can change, right? Because we want to be acceptable to Yahuwah God and Yahusha his Christ, the Christ. And so what do we need to do as we evaluate ourselves? Apostle Paul gives a warning. Apostle Paul doesn't give many warnings, but here's one of them. He says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Because sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. Brethren, that's the beginning of pride. And if we will think too highly of ourselves, we are going to fall. We are going to be destroyed. Especially now when the focus of Satan, the enemy, is us, right? His target is the people of God. And what does Satan do? Especially when he knows there's a work of salvation taking place. In the book of Luke 22, 31 to 32, Simon, Simon. Oh, let's pause there. Who's the one speaking there, brethren? Who's the one speaking there? Any idea? That's Yahusha. He's speaking to Simon. Who's Simon? Apostle Peter, right? Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you. Sweet. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Here's Yahusha. And he knows something. And he shares this something that he knows about with Peter. What is that? Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. What does that mean? Another translation, Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has received permission to test all of you, to separate the good from the bad, as a farmer separates the wheat from the chaff. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you turn back to me, you must strengthen your brothers. And so here's Apostle Peter receiving this warning from Yahusha. Yahusha tells him, Satan has been granted permission to test all of you. To sift you as wheat. In other words, Satan's going to target him. When you're targeted by Satan, be prepared. Because Yahusha tells him you're going to fail. But eventually you're going to turn back to me. And then Apostle Peter says, no, no, I will never fail. Right? I will never deny you. But we know what happened to that. Right? And so we need to be careful, brethren. This is the, the, the work of salvation in these last days. Judgment day. The day of salvation is at hand. The devil knows he has little time left, and so he will attack. And one of the ways he will attack is by using pride so that we destroy one another. And so what does Apostle Paul say? Because if we are arrogant, we have pride, what may we not realize? Corinthians 10, 11, 12, all these things happen to them as examples for others. And they were written down as a warning for us. For we live at a time when the end is about to come. If you think you are standing firm, you had better be careful that you do not fall. You think you're standing firm? So did many of God's people in the past. They thought they were good enough. But what happened to them? They fell. You see, there's something we need to understand that the scriptures tell us. What is that? Even the best fall. Do you believe that? Who are examples who were recognized because of their faithfulness. We have the patience of Job, the boldness of Peter, right? The best of the best. Peter, because of his courage. Job, because of his patience, right? 
But what happened to Job when Satan spoke to God and allowed him to be tested? Right? What happened to Job? He became impatient and even blamed God. Eventually, though, Job prevailed with the help of Abba. How about Peter? Remember, Satan also asked to test Peter. The boldness of Peter, we know about him. But then he betrayed Yahusha by denying that he knew him when Yahusha was arrested. Remember that? And so the patience of Job became impatient. The boldness of Peter, he ran away when Yahusha was arrested. Even the best, they fall. This is why Apostle Paul says, be careful when you think you are standing on firm ground, lest you fall. We need to watch out for pride. Because if we think we're already good enough, we're going to fall. This is why we have to be aware of pride. Sometimes Yahuwah will use, or sometimes the devil will use our strength against us, right? The strength of Peter was boldness, <laughs> did not prevail. Strength of Job was patience, did not prevail. How about Moses? What was his strength? What was he known for? The book of Numbers 12, verse 3. Now Moses was very humble. Take a look at this. How humble was he? More humble than any other person on earth. Imagine that. I think uh, Joshua, that's why it's in quotes, in, in uh, what do you call that, parentheses? Mm -hmm. I think Joshua added that part right there. Moses was the, more, the most humble person on earth. It might be difficult for Moses to write that if he was really humble. <laughs> right? <laughs> so Moses was humble, more humble than any human on earth. But here's the thing. Do you think, could Moses also stumble because of pride? Remember, the Bible tells us you got to be careful. When you think you're strong, it's an opportunity for pride to cause you to slip. We got to be aware of pride. And so Moses was disqualified. Maybe, could it be that pride had something to do with it? Maybe. I will not make that conclusion. I will let you look at the evidence. That maybe it was because of pride. And eventually Moses was disqualified. And so what was the instruction of, Moses, uh, of Yahuwah God again to Moses? Numbers 27 to 8. And Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, take the rock. You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes. This was the instruction. What did Moses do? We know what he did. Moses struck the rock twice, right? But not only that, when he gathered the people together, because in the instruction that Yahuwah gave to Moses, he did not tell Moses, give a reprimand the people of Israel, right? That was not part of the instruction. But what did Moses do? He spoke to the people. He was supposed to speak to what? The rock. Instead of speaking to the rock, he spoke to the people not only did he speak to the people what did he say to the people he reprimanded them here now you rebels he was really upset he was really angry Moses at this point was angry and because of the anger of Moses a psalmist wrote about this incident in the book of Psalms 106 32 33 at Meribah remember Meribah that's the place 
at Meribah too, they angered Yahuwah, causing Moses serious trouble. They made Moses angry and he spoke foolishly. You know, before, before this happened, during the early days of Moses, he was still a meek man, a humble man. He would cry out only to Yahuwah. And this time he was angry. He was so angry, he spoke foolishly. In other translations, at the springs of Meribah, the people made Yahuwah angry and Moses was in trouble of the, on their account. They made him so bitter that he spoke without stopping to think. You see, when we have pride, when we get angry and you add the pride with the anger, you become bitter and you begin to say things without even thinking about it. Is that true? Very true. This is why we have to protect ourselves. We have to overcome bitterness and anger that may cause us to say things or post things without properly thinking about it. Especially now, what you post on the internet becomes life, lifetime, right? You got to be careful, brothers and sisters. What else did Moses do? In Numbers 29 to 11, it says, this is what he said. Here now, you rebels. And then he goes, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Do you see what's happening there? Could there be pride involved there? What did Moses say? Must we bring water for you out of this rock? In reality, who was the one bringing water? Wasn't it Yahuwah God? By saying we, perhaps he is including himself in getting the glory that belongs to who? God. That's something we must never do. Yahuwah must get all the glory. Why? In Isaiah 42, 8, I am Yahuwah, that is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. The Bible says that he will not give any of his glory to anyone else. This is why in our work together, brethren, we must never take even a part of Yahuwah's glory as we do this work. This is why... If we do any act of service in the assembly of Yahusha, never take part of any glory. It's not because of you. It's not because of us. We're but instruments of Yahuwah God. It's all about Yahuwah God. He must get all the glory, not us. The moment we take any part of the glory, we become proud and arrogant. Perhaps, perhaps, you cannot say this conclusively. Perhaps Moses became disqualified partly because of pride may be creeping in. Because remember, it happens even to the best of us. What else? In Numbers 29 to 11, then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. He raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. When Yahuwah explicitly said, only speak to the rock, but he struck it Twice. And so what did the rod that he raised with his hand represent? Authority and power coming from who? Yahuwah. But he misused the authority. Instead of holding the rod and speaking to the rock, he used that rod and struck twice the rock. He misused and abused his authority. You see, the people of God, especially the leaders whom God appointed you have to be careful with the authority God gives them. They must not rule over the flock. They must not use that rod 
to oppress. They must not use that rod to abuse, to take advantage of the people that they lead. No, that's not what the rod is for. This is why we have to be careful if we are appointed in a leadership role among the people of God. We must never misuse and abuse the authority that Yahuwah has given to each one of us. But then you might be still thinking, okay, maybe Moses, you know, he made a mistake, but because of that one mistake, Yahuwah God is not going to let him go to the promised land. But there's a reason why. You see, there's something we need to understand about the rock that was struck by Moses. You know what that is? The book of uh, Corinthians 10, 1 to 4. I don't want you to forget. They're brothers and sisters. So I'm going to pause there for a while. We're in Corinthians. Who's the one writing there? Apostle Paul. Are we in the Old Testament or New Testament? Yeah. New Testament. And so Apostle Paul is writing to his brothers and sisters in Yahushua. And he's telling them about the events during the days of Moses because it has relevance. It is a type that is to take place in the future, right? And so he says, I don't want you to forget your brothers and sisters about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the, spirit, the same spiritual food. And all of them drank the same spiritual water. For, take a, take a look, they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ. You see that? This is why Yahuwah God was very angry at Moses. Why? Because he ruined what Yahuwah wanted to set up as a type for the coming of Yahusha HaMashiach. He was speaking in advance about the rock. So who was the rock that was following them? Who was the rock that was given out water? That was who? Christ. Does it mean it's actually Christ as a physical rock? No. The rock was a type. It was foreshadowing who? Yahusha HaMashiach. And so the rock communicated to the people of Israel of work that Yahuwah was going to do involving the Christ in the future. And he was painting a picture of that rock. And Moses kind of ruined it, right? How did he ruin it? In Ezekiel 17, 5 to 6, if you still remember, uh, Yahuwah said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders. Also take in your hand your rod, because I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it. Why was this command given? That he will be stricken once. Strike the rock. Remember, the, the rock represents who? Yahusha. Why is Yahuwah telling Moses, strike the rock just once? In Isaiah 53, 4-5, surely they took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was brought that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So that rock that was struck by a rod, what did that show? God Himself will strike His Son in fulfillment of prophecy, because Yahushua will take the punishment that will bring peace 
that will bring healing for the people of God, right? You see that? Now, in Numbers 27 to 8, when Yahuwah God says, speak to the rock before their eyes. No longer must the rock be stricken. Why? Because Yahusha was appointed to die and perish and suffer only how many times? Once. It would be unrighteous for Yahusha to suffer more than once. It would be unrighteous for Yahusha to die more than once. Once, only once. And his sacrifice would be perfect and complete. This is why Yahusha, Yahuwah says to Moses, speak to the rock. Have you noticed something here? What the people were complaining about, the lack of water. Yahuwah God was setting up a prophecy. He was using that as an opportunity to point to something magnificent. This is why when sometimes bad things happen to us. Let Yahuwah God cause that to work together for good, right? In this case, Yahuwah wanted to let the people know, this time you can just speak to the rock. No need to strike the rock. Why? Because after the death and resurrection of Yahusha, you don't need, he doesn't need to suffer and die again. And so what does that mean? In Romans 10, 9 to 11, that if you confess with your mouth when you speak it, right? Yahusha is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so this is what Yahuwah wanted to, to show the people of Israel. Time will come when his people will speak to the rock and receive the blessing of salvation, the blessing of his spirit. And so Moses kind of ruined he kind of ruined Yahuwah's planning. But we got it nonetheless, right? We saw it nonetheless because we studied scriptures, including the mistakes of our leaders and our ancestors, so we can learn. So we can apply this in our future. And the future is now. And right now, whether we like it or not, Satan will probably ask, he will probably test us and tempt us. But the good news is, what did Yahusha say? I have prayed for you. And we believe that Yahusha is praying for us. We need to ask Yahusha to pray for us. What shall we ask Yahusha? Let us ask him that our faith will not fail. And what does Yahusha say in case we do fail? And when you turn back to me, you must strengthen your brothers. Brethren, as human beings, because there's still much work to do. There's a lot of work ahead of us. In the remaining years, however long that may be, we have much work to do. In our work together, you can be assured the devil will do his best to try and destroy us. Sometimes we will fail and stumble. And so Yahusha tells us, let us return back to him. He knows we're going to fail sometimes. The very best among the people of God, the very best among the leaders of God, they failed too. They were not perfect. Abraham, Moses, Joe, Peter, they all failed. We too, we will fail. But every time we fail, guess what? Who's there waiting for us to return? It's Yahusha. Brethren, if we have failed before, let us go back. Always go back. Remember what the Bible says, the godly may slip and fall seven times. But every time, he will get back up and he will return to his king. 
brethren, if we are sinners, if we have made mistakes in the past, our king is merciful. And right now, if you will believe in your heart that he is opening his arms right now to receive each and every one of us, brethren, that's what he wants us to do, to approach him because he wants us back. He wants us to be with him. And when we return to him, what he wants us to do is strengthen your brothers, strengthen the assembly. If Yahusha has strengthened us, we need to do the same thing. We need to help each other by the name of Yahusha HaMashiach so that we can be edified and strengthened in our faith. Right now, Yahusha is waiting for us. And what does he offer us? That we need to take, especially in this world, worldly journey, this journey across the wilderness of the world. John 7, 37, 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Yahushua stood and shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would, get, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Yahushua had not yet entered into his glory. Brethren, is Yahushua in his glory now? Yeah. And this is why this invitation of Yahushua stands for all of us. What he's telling us to do now. Is to go to him. If we believe in him, Yahushua says, if you go to me, you will never be thirsty again. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. And what will happen? Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. What was he speaking of? He was speaking of the spirit. In the wilderness journey, the people of Israel drank physical water. But today, brethren, today the prophecies have been fulfilled. Yahusha has come. He has gone to heaven. And now he offers us his spirit. And that spirit is what we need to complete our journey. Without the spirit, we cannot complete our journey. We need to rely on that spirit that Yahusha gives and provides for us. We need to rely upon our Mashiach. We are indeed blessed brethren. We make mistakes, but Yahusha is there receiving us. Receiving his drink, his spirit as well and so before we stand together as a congregation to pray let us meditate on this passage of scripture in the book of hebrews 4 14 and 16 so then we have a great high priest who has entered heaven yahusha the son of god let us hold firmly to what we believe the high priest of ours yahusha understands our weaknesses he knows we're gonna fail he knows we're humans he knows how difficult it is to live life as a human being here on earth. He understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You hear that, brethren? Yahushua. He wants us to approach him boldly. He is the throne of gracious, the gracious God. He sits on his throne and he welcomes us. 
And what we'll receive from God through Yahushua? Mercy and grace, especially when we need it the most. This is why, brethren, every day, begin your day by the throne of your king. Receive daily his spirit and living water. Receive daily his mercy and his grace because we need it every day. The adversary is great. <laughs> but our king is far greater. And our creator is greatest of all. And they are with us and on our side. And so there's nothing, no reason for us to be afraid. And every reason for us to move forward and enter the promised everlasting life. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Yahuwah, our loving Abba, you are a source of all provisions. You have made in advance all these plans, purposes that we can never possibly conceive of. You are eternal. And from eternity, somehow, some way, yes, you have chosen us to be yours. Amen. Adopted as your sons and daughters yes. through Yahusha, our king. Amen. Thank you for choosing us. Yes, Thank you for giving us the gift of your scriptures. Yes, we will turn to it every day. Yes. Source of our guide. Through your spirit, you are making us making known to all of us. Yes. Your purposes for us. Yes, Lord. Help us to dedicate our lives to you. Yes. May our work be filled by your spirit. Yes. Help us to bear fruit. Yes. Help us to be your representative. Yes, because we bear your name and your son's name. Yahusha, our king. Yes, you are the rock upon whom we receive our spiritual drink. Yes. Provide this for us. Lord. We are thirsty for you, yes. hungry for you. Yes. Every time we meet together in your precious name, Yahushua, yes. may you be there for us. Your presence is what we need. Yes. For your presence gives us strength and courage Amen. to overcome the adversary. Amen. Pray for us, please. Yes. We do not want our faith to fail. Yes. But when we do fail sometimes, when you see us returning to you, yes. accept us again. Yes. Help us to learn, to be stronger, to rely on you more, yes. to trust you with all of our hearts, yes. that you will take care of us and bring us to everlasting. Amen. Loving Abba, Yahuwah, our God, remember your people all over the world, yes. those who are afflicted, those yes. who have fallen, May you give us enough strength yes. to yes. get back up on our feet. Yes. May we never, ever quit. Yes. How can we quit when you are our God? Yes. Give us strength and peace. Yes. Give us your spirit that we may endure until the very end. Amen. This is our humble plea, loving Abba. Yes. You have blessed your people and healed your people who are sick, yes, especially those in hospital beds, yes, those who no longer have any hope. That yes. they will remain alive from heaven above. Pronounce your healing. Now have mercy yes. upon all of us. Heal your people with your mighty power. Amen. We ask and beg everything. Loving Abba. In the name of our Lord and Savior. Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.